Welcome to our Friday Five Live podcast hosted by Meg Foster. Meg has spent 20 years in higher education focused on student success initiatives and working in areas such as orientation, faculty development, online learning, student leadership, and first-year initiatives. We are so glad to be together um, today. It it feels um, very fitting that this is the way we're going to end this week. Um, And I really appreciate Gail and Sam being with us. I'm going to introduce you formally in just a second. But um, as many of you may be aware, um, we began this series this fall to um, really honor the work um, of our our friend and colleague, Denise Sweat, um, who spent her career um, in student services. um, And if anyone had a moment to get to work with her, um, I think we all know that we've left feeling lighter and better um, and more committed to the important work that we were doing. Unfortunately, Denise left us on Sunday and um, after a lengthy illness. So, sorry, we would like to give everyone the opportunity today, if you are listening in and you've had the chance to interact um, with Denise, however casually, um, she was one of our favorite Friday Five Live guests. Um, She was very proud of the fact that the most listened to um, podcast from 2021 was Denise's December podcast where she um, got out her crystal ball and we reflected on the year that 2020 or 2020, sorry, 2020 was and what a year it was. Um, And then she helped us predict what would come in 2021. Um, And um, so she was a a remarkable speaker and a remarkable leader. Um, And so we began our series in September with Dr. Curry. It was a phenomenal conversation about um, leadership and Dr. Uh, Curry's work in that area. And we're very blessed today um, to have with us um, two people who I know are very important to Denise um, and uh, Gail and San. So as you're joining us today, um, we're gonna pop again into um, the chat. There's a, a Jamboard and um, I know these can, these can be a wonderful way to just kind of share resources. And I see many of you hopping in. Um, it's always fun to see those little icons. Um, I don't, my children always assign me one, so I have no idea how you get to pick. Um, but if you have a favorite memory or story of Denise that you'd like to share with us today, um, you're welcome to put it in the chat and we can transfer it to the Jamboard, um, but you're also welcome to put it directly in the Jamboard um, as well. So, um, and we'll make sure that um, we bundle this up and and share it with um, Denise's loved ones with Sally and and Nico who's pictured here. I just love this picture so much. Um, It was one Denise sent to me um, with the directions. This is the picture you are to now use um, for me. Yes, ma'am, as we say, yes, ma'am. Um, so Gail and San, um, I, we're just so grateful for your time today. I know it's, we want to make sure this is a space for, um, a, a little differently, you know, normally it's Meg saying, here are five questions that we're going to talk about today. Um, and, um, but we do really want to honor this as a place where folks want to, you know, connect and, and share memories and, um, have as a space, um, for reflection and, um, grief, then that's that's okay. This is a safe space um, to do that today. Um, we've got Gail 
uh, Rolota joining us from um, Napa Valley College, um, all the way up on, you live in a beautiful place um, where she serves as a full-time counselor for disability support programs um, and services. And I know that Denise was particularly excited about the fact that you're in the EDD um, Educational Leadership Program at San Francisco State University um, and fascinated about your research um, that you're doing regarding the California community um, college system, which is, I think, the largest one right in the United States, if I remember correctly. And we also have Sam Liu joining us as well. Um, and he's fortunate enough to get to work with Gail, or Gail is fortunate enough to get to work with him, which, whichever way it works. Um, and he is the alternate media specialist um, at Napa Valley College's Disability Support Programs and Services. And, and was good to remind me that sometimes Jamboard's aren't the most accessible tool. Um, it's a fun one to, to have and it's a, a nice one to have, but there are also other ones that may be um, better for our students and our, our faculty and staff. And San is also um, in the educational leadership doctoral program at San Francisco State. And I know that Denise was also equally excited um, and proud of you for being in that program as well. So thank you both for um, being here and especially for being here today. It just, I, 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 I um, I really feel like it, it feels like an appropriate bookend to this week to get to have you both here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for that introduction. Um, you're absolutely right. Denise uh, was a, what a, always an advocate for everyone kind of pursuing higher education and no matter what form it may be, if it was through the traditional institution, if not just through professional development. And she was a huge advocate for um, all of us. And so, um, yes, I, so uh, some folks are putting some stuff in the chat and I just copy some of that stuff into the Jamboard. Um, and so we can save it later for um, uh, Miss Denise Sweat and so, uh, and her family. And so feel free to put in the chat or just go ahead and open up that Jamboard. Uh, please let us know if you still need um, access to that link. We have no problem sharing stuff. And uh, we also want to take this time um, and let folks know that we want to give this space so we can actually um, have a few minutes. Those who are new or new of uh, uh, Dr. Denise Sweat, uh, please put it in the Jamboard, uh, anything you'd like. Oh, uh, if we could please add the link to the Jamboard, please, one more time. Looks like uh, Ms. Pauline has joined us. If this is the Pauline that I know, good morning. Some, it's fun to get to see folks you you know, right? In the in the um, and, and and hopping on today, I love this. Um, and and I know she was, you know, Denise actually um, got after me a few times in a, the most loving way possible, right? About the fact that um, why are you not? getting a doctorate right now, Meg, and what can we do about that? And do you need help finding a program in the state of Virginia that you could participate in? Um, and, uh, but was also very gracious when I said, well, I have three kids, right? You know, that I can't, this doesn't feel like the right time. I mean, I think um, one of the things that she really um, helped me remember as, as we kind of tie in this theme of leadership is that um, it's really important to listen to your people right? Um, listening to our students, um, listening to our, our, our staff, our teams, our faculty, like whoever it is that you're working with, it's so critical that we listen to them and, um, 
and, and really genuinely hear them. Um, I know she was a, a very big advocate for, are we asking our students, right, what, what our students need? So, so when I said, oh, I don't know if right now is the right time, she was very respectful of that. I mean, still stuck in a few, like, you know, Meg, <laughs> time is ticking. Right. And uh, Denise was very, very, if we can say even infamous about every single time she sees you like, yes, uh, I haven't filled that out yet. Or yes, I, I'm getting to that. There's, we always had a reason, right? To meet it because she'll get on everyone, right? So it wasn't just, you know, any of us. She was uh, kind of like bringing out and calling in, right? Uh, she was like, no, when are you going to get your doctor? It's like, well, now that Gail and I are in the program, about a year we passed our qualifying exams. Yay. Uh, she was oh. very excited to hear that. So it gives us the opportunity to uh, continue on. Uh, but, you know, um, Gail and I talk about this a lot. It's like, you know, the, the letters, it's a constant reflection. It's like, what is this going to provide us? Oh. Right? And we're like, yeah, this for us, uh, individuals of color going through these doctorate programs, it's, I think we came to consensus, it's kind of traumatizing, right? You got your personal life, you got your job, and then you got a full-time, you know, education. So it's yeah. like, is it for our kids, right? Um, and uh, what kind of stuff are we unlearning in our program and what type of stuff mm. do we have to learn? And so uh, we're just really grateful Denise support us all along this way. Uh, it's like, Denise, we need that letter of rec, right? I don't know how many folks are on this call. You're like, last minute. And next thing she goes, when do you need it by? She's there for you, right? So a lot of folks on this call, I know she supported whatnot, but it's just one of those things. It's just second nature to her, right? Okay. When do you need it? When are you going to do it? And she would remind you, like, oh yeah, the application's due, Meg. <laughs> right. I'm going to take it one step further instead of, um, when do you need it? She would call and say, I'm done. <laughs> right. And Meg, when you were talking about like, she would get on you. It kind of reminds me of um, a quote from Audre Lorde. I've been um, kind of referencing her a lot in um, my work for the dissertation and just reflection mm -hmm. paper. So it, it's almost as like, um, Denise was angry, right? Like that we didn't <laughs> start our program yet. But, you know, there's this concept of anger being like bad or good. And so um, the quote that I really love from Audre Lorde is that my anger is energetic and informative. My anger is in response to racist attitudes and to the actions and presumptions that arise out of those attitudes. So, you know, Denise encouraging us to get our doctorate and <laughs> kind of getting mad at us for not, you know, going after it just yet. It is really like her response to these um, unjust practices that we kind of mm -hmm. go through our institutions. And speaking of learning and unlearning, um, San and I are very new to this type of practice. Um, I love how you and um, Melissa um, in the beginning talked about access needs and how um, there is uh, live transcript enabled. Um, I just do want to kind of respect anybody that is visually um, impaired or has um, vision loss. Um, in terms of access, I was just going to, after you introduced us, I was going to share my name and then give this visual of like what I look like and what Sam looks like on the screen <laughs> to kind of to, to provide access to visually uh, impaired um, folks in this space. So my name is Gail Relota. Um, the way you spell my name is G-A-I-L. 
and I am a uh, Filipina. And on the screen, I am a uh, moderate <laughs> or medium, uh, like tan brown with long hair. And my background is um, that of a white wall. So this practice is even new to us. And sometimes I, I have to uh, gently remind myself or San has to kind of nudge me and say, hey, don't, don't forget about this piece of access as well. Because we do really, we've gone into the practice of recording and, and uh, enabling live transcript. I just, uh, you know, there are times where I do forget about um, visually impaired folks and, and the Zoom spaces. And I think it's that partnership we all talk about, right? We, we collective us and we kind of remind each other, collaborate, and uh, we, we, we constantly uh, kind of go through this. And so thank you for bringing that up. And I, uh, Meg, if you would like to go first, if not, I can go first and try this out. Uh, um, I'll have to think, I need, I need a moment to gather my thoughts because no I've never done this before. So, it's okay. so that's the, okay. The, the last one before we did with Denise, she was like, oh my gosh, you guys are teaching me something new. <laughs> so so we kind of get like, uh, you know, spell up our name. My name is uh, San Lu, S-A-N like San Francisco, and then last name Lou, L-U. Uh, I go by he, him, an am, older brother, uh, younger sibling. And then my uh, Zoom background is uh, Filipino X American his uh, History Month. Um, and uh, let's see here, position out. So I'm about 5'8". I'm wearing kind of a gray hoodie, wearing glasses, uh, Asian male, hetero, cisgender, uh, second year uh, doctoral student. Did I cover everything, Gail? <laughs> Can you get a okay? So um, right. now it's my turn. This is a new approach for me. I love this though. Um, all right, so um, I'm Meg Foster. It's my name and spell Meg M E G Foster F O S T E R, and I use the pronoun she and her. Um, I am sitting, unfortunately, my background is a very messy playroom, so probably too many visual things in it um, to describe. Um, I am a white, um, short, um, middle-aged at this point now, um, female with um, long brown hair. Um, so thank you all for introducing me to a new practice. That's Denise would love that we just did that, by the way. Um, although she would probably say something like, I'm drinking my cup of coffee, and um, I'm wearing sweatpants, right? Like she would like make sure we knew that, you know, I'm only dressed from the waist up and uh, my hair is a mess because I just walk the dog. Um, and you know, she doesn't drink coffee. So, you know, she oh. said she already, she already talks a hundred miles per hour. So that's why she probably got the most hits because everyone was trying to follow. Was like, what did she say? Can you repeat that transcripts? Uh, but uh, yes, yeah, she was very keen on... Uh, um, making sure like this is a talk without coffee. Right, right. Good point. Um, Kendra, because it was a cup of tea. Um, Kendra has asked us, what was the name of this type of introduction? I missed it. Um, so is there like a formal um, name for what we just did? Um, the way that I learned it, it was um, Zoom accessibility introduction for visually impaired um, students or folks in the, in the Zoom space. So um, the way we were taught to introduce ourselves on Zoom was to introduce the, ourselves the first time we speak. Um, an introduction could also include a visual description of yourself and the pronouns on your screen, as well as the, the background that also is on the screen. Okay. Is it helpful um, when we're recording with that in mind? 
do we need to identify ourselves each time we answer a question? Like if you're in a panel, does that make sense? Like, would you say, oh, this is Gail and I'm answering, you know, question. Okay. Yeah, especially I, I think we've been in spaces where it was a really huge webinar and everybody was on the screen and we all took turns answering. So <laughs> sometimes I even get just like getting lost in the sea of like Zoom participants. So, it, I mean, it's all very universal, right? It helps students who are visually impaired and it helps just help everybody in the room. So for myself, it's kind of recognizing who's speaking and honoring that. Wonderful. I love the fact that we just had this learning lesson. Sam, you want to say something? Yes. And so, you know, it's uh, great to kind of practice kind of, I mean, even with you, you said, you know, like my background is messy, like that's real. Right. And we want to honor the realness in all of our lives. And, uh, and sometimes it is, it is messy, right? Real life is messy. And, uh, and that's what, you know, a lot of this conversation is about um, accessibility um, and how we can do that online during um, this pandemic and also leadership um, uh, and how we can lead from each position where we're at. You know, we don't need those titles. We don't need, it helps, you know, for being those institutional agents or help furthering um, different, uh, I guess, practices and policies and whatnot. Uh, Denise was a huge advocate uh, for a lot of these practices. So no, okay. thank you all for, um, and, and let us know if you have any more questions about that. Uh, we do have, uh, we, we, when we do conversations like that, uh, we try to do the land acknowledgement and um, maybe next time we can go through that and we can teach everybody about land acknowledgements about um, the indigenous folks and how we acknowledge the stolen land that we are all on and kind of go into that a little bit. But uh, Dave, I think this will be a good first lesson. Yes, thank you. And I think that's a really lovely segue. I'm going to kind of skip around in our, our questions today, if that's okay. But, you know, you're both in really unique, I think, positions. Um, and, and, but, and you're also in, and I say unique, because you're also in this place where you're doing this, you know, doctoral work. So um, this great quote that, um, that we shared about theory, um, and, and, um, earlier before we formally started recording, we were talking about the idea that, you know, theory is cool, um, but you need the practice of it. Right. And so, um, and I, uh, we'll put up the quote, but, but I won't get into the whole, um, so I love the fact that, you know, you're in this place where you're working with students, but then you're also engaging in this space of, of theory and, so in your roles at, at, at your institution, how are you feeling like you're being intentional kind of in your leadership? Because I think Sam brings out a really great point. We don't have to be the vice president for student affairs, right? And Denise would absolutely remind us of that. We don't need to be the chancellor. We don't have to have this big title, right? Um, we're leaders in the places that we are. So wh what are you seeing as kind of strategies that you're finding to be um, intentional um, and meaningful. Would you like to start, Gail, or? Go for it. <laughs> so I guess when, when I, I read uh, the questions in terms of, uh, you know, leadership, for me, I, I start breaking down like leadership, right, versus admin positions and the different types 
of um, approaches, right? Even within leadership. And sometimes uh, we label stuff um, good or bad, right? So for leadership, there's that collaborative. And then when the other side uh, in the Navarro and Wood, we have the controlling, right? The admin. And so um, we have visionary, we have task-oriented, inspiring, uh, directing. Uh, so we have these all these different types of leaderships um, and approaches and the styles, right? Authoritarian, transactional, transformative. Uh, and I believe what Denise, um, even without being able to name it, uh, she was uh, a transformational uh, leader, empowering others to go beyond the call of duty, right? Everyone who knows Denise, that's kind of what she was all about, making, making us, uh, I wouldn't say making us, right? Encouraging us to go further and beyond um, our call of duties. And we're like, wow, now we're making lunches because why? Student services, folks need to eat, right? All of a sudden we put on that hat. Uh, next thing you know, we are decorating for a holiday party. And you're like, so what does that have to do with our job description? Everything that Denise stands for, that's what that, that line at the end, we kind of joke about that in the community college, that other assigned duties, right? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Whether you're on the West Coast or the East Coast, I think that the, we're in between the community college job description and other duties as assigned is a universal. Um, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's important that we, we I, I think we've quickly kind of come to a place in my experience where we do kind of assign labels, right? Um, to this is my style, or this is the kind of um, leader I am, or, and mm, I kind of struggle. I struggle with that. I feel like that's really limiting. And that, and that struggle is real. Is like, why, you know what? it's because of the situation we change our styles even if we're not aware of that right mm -hmm. so when we're being democratic and we want to be inclusive we're bringing folks in but then all of a sudden the president gives you uh something right before summer lets out and you're supposed to turn it in but what you need to be inclusive but faculty's gone during the summer or you know whatever the situation so you got to switch your leadership style mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes you got to switch uh, maybe maybe you switch your leadership style and your leadership approach, right? Where your approach was more democratic and inclusive, but for this one project, it felt more um, in order to hit the institutional norms, right? The status quo, we got to get those reports in uh, because of what they're tied to. And maybe it's kind of uh, bureaucratic or, uh, you know, less so. Mm -hmm. And being aware and being comfortable living I think Gail and I, we talk about this, being comfortable living within the contradictions of our own institution. I, I would also kind of add to that, Sam. I think we are very used to being in the, like just labeled as one type of leadership instead of recognizing that we're very fluid in terms of like how we manage our leadership style. So some situations call for the, you know, uh, independent uh solitary decisions and then other times it does call for the 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 collaborative events where we can take our time because we we all know some things are very time sensitive and so when we are in those spaces where we have to make a decision by ourselves we almost feel, feel like guilt because we wow. kind of put ourselves in that almost like a 
a binary where this is my only leadership style and now I'm going outside of it. And now that I'm going outside of it, it doesn't feel right. But um, in reality, like we, we all are very fluid with our um, leadership styles and how we approach things. Mm-hmm. It's really important to, to recognize um, one of uh, a, a wonderful colleague that I had the chance to work with here in Virginia. I used to talk about being at one with ambiguity, which I think is so hard to do, right? We want the clear path. Um, and I think Denise was somebody who was really good about kind of embracing that. Um, understanding. So She was. <laughs> so our um, Pauline is, I love it. Thank you, Pauline, for your saying thanks, Gail. Yes. Um, I love this quote um, that some, some friends shared um, from for Denise. I think it was Sylvia Dorsey. Robinson, who shared that Denise was always asking, how do you know, how do you know your role in encouraging new educational opportunities or providing innovation for existing um, programs? You know, that that was just in my interactions with Denise kind of always, she was always thinking about um, what were new approaches? How could we, right? I, I, I really admired the fact that um, she very much did not want us to do kind of the status quo or, oh, this is the way we've always done things. I mean, that was like, it would have been fascinating to be in a staff meeting with her. Um, <laughs> Cause I could just kind of see her visioning, like throwing, like, you know, toss that out the window. Um, so in your roles, what are, how are you encouraging these opportunities, providing innovation. I mean, you just shared with us a beautiful example of that, I think, in, um, in our practicing of, you know, describing ourselves for visual, visually impaired audience. So how do you know your roles in encouraging new educational opportunities or providing innovation for existing programs? I think for me, Oh, Gail, if you want to go first, you can. I went first the other time. <laughs> well, I'm still processing. Still processing. So That's kind of you, Santa, jump in to give her that process <laughs> space. We did this the other week with um, Phil Hill and Kevin Kelly from um, MindWire, and they were hilarious. They would be like, well, I'm going to let you take this one, and then I'll... <laughs> and then I'll ride on your coattails into the... <laughs> So, because Gail and I, we bring in different perspectives, um, you know, different hats uh, because of our positionality. And uh, what what I want to be kind of more transparent about is bringing it from uh, kind of uh, uh, administrative hat, but then also a real day to day. So when we look at this is like, uh, what is our role in, in encouraging new educational opportunities? And um, it's kind of like looking at the data, right? So we got to do the... Um, the performative where we have to, you know, when we're in a leadership meeting, you got to, you know, look at the data and you know what, we're not going to aggregate all this. We're going to disaggregate all of this in order to lift up those underrepresented, underrepresented groups, uh, marginalized students in order to highlight a lot of that, right? Because nowadays we are getting so lazy with our data is that we lump everyone in to one area and no different needs, different folks. Um, And you know, and when we do have a lot of these uh, conversations and we need to uh, 
uh, you know, Gail and I, we, we say, you know, you got to trust your critical homies, right? And so those are the folks that you can turn to no matter what time or day, right? That texting, Meg, that you're talking about, like three o'clock or uh, three hour difference, like, no, you know, this person will always be up for you. And mm-hmm. so you need to grab some of those um, folks and put that part of your network. And Denise was always a huge part of that. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we trust what our students feedback and, you know, uh, kind of reflect upon a lot of this. I think that is the piece where we're missing a lot in a higher education, that critical reflection. Uh, and then we repeat that whole process, right? We get the data, we talk to our, uh, our critical homies, and then we have that reflection and we're talking about it. And, you know, what are the different point of views? Because that, that dialectical thinking that um, Gail and I uh, would like, well, what if we talk about it in this manner or why couldn't it be addressed? Because everyone has their own perspectives. Yeah. And, and to add to your point, because I do love the having your kind of recognizing and naming who your critical homies are. Um, I do want to add that your critical homies are not going to be always the ones or are not the people who are just going to be like, oh, my God, that was a great idea or get angry um, for you. Like, oh, that's so wrong. I can't believe they did that. Your critical homies are really going to be the ones who make you sit with this feeling that yeah. make you reflect and kind of um, present the situation in a different lens. And so Denise was definitely that for us because um, during, during this doctoral uh, journey, we had our, um, our moments <laughs> where we would like cry or like express like frustration. And sometimes she would turn it back to us and she'd be like, I'm so glad you got knocked on your teeth for that. Right. <laughs> She's like, that is a lesson to be learned, Gail. I was like, okay. Right. And then, you know, with, with that, right. Like, because they're your critical homies, you have trust in them. You have trust in their feedback and you know, it's a safe, safe space mm-hmm. to, really go through the motions and and name some of the things that don't feel just. And so with Denise and other critical homies, it's about building those relationships and how, um, and, and trust and seeing how you can be um, responsible to yourself and to everybody else and the wellness of like the community and being like having this bigger picture like with Denise it was always about the bigger picture mm-hmm. you know, when we did get into our moments in, in our zones of like even celebration right she would kind of check us and say well, well was that really a win for you was that really a win for your students because it sounds almost like a uh, individual type of uh <laughs> type of win. And so even with celebrations, right, she was that that critical homie. And so in terms of this question, how do you know your role? It is about building those relationships with folks and making sure that they have trust and um, safety. So and do that earlier on, right, when you're not in a bind, because, uh, you know, <laughs> we're talking with students or we're developing a relationship now with the audience and all of us, right? And we develop this. So by the time we get to that junction in that road and we're like, who, who do I talk to about this? Right. Everyone's scratching their heads. Like, who can I trust? You know, this is a very sensitive material and to have 
folks available for you is so important during this time. And mm-hmm. our roles, whether we're providing that men- mentorship, femtor as well, right? Mentor, oh. femtor, uh, that type of um, leadership uh, and uh, kind of that guidance, uh, or we're receiving that. And I think it goes, it's kind of like uh, that relationship that you're building. It goes both ways. So you're developing, but then also you're growing um, a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And with building relationships, I, I think of this quote, um, it's an understanding that students or people do not care what we know until they know that we care. Mm-hmm. And we're all tremendously smart. And Denise was a, um, she would remind us that constantly. And so, but if we have all these great ideas and uh, we can't express it, it's because typically we don't feel like we're safe enough to do so, mm. that we don't know that somebody else cares. And we were always comfortable with throwing out ideas with <laughs> to, to Denise because she genuinely cared about us. I, I saw a quote this week I, I loved from that I'd never seen before from Fred Rogers, so I hope it's accurate, um, but about the, the basically in the journey of education that we can love to learn when we know we're loved that we can love learning when we know we're loved and I, I and I just think that's such a, a beautiful connection to you know certainly the experiences we're sharing with Denise that mm-hmm. you know she cared passionately for her homies to to steal this wonderful um and and there were and there were many right I mean in that um, but you knew that you were you were supported in that. Um, exactly. Especially when I, ideas were just being thrown out there and they weren't the greatest ideas, right? At least we knew that she cared enough to listen and that we could go through this like process with her. Mm-hmm. Unless like that mini uh, jam board or brainstorming session and, you know, Denise moves 100 miles per hour. And like when you're talking right uh, earlier and how you first met uh, with Denise um, and they brought on uh, different applications or different um, management systems. And she was, you know, once she heard, she picked it up and she said, yeah, I'm going to sign them up because this is what our students or our staff need for mm-hmm. them to develop. And she was very bold. She was a pioneer. She was transformative. She was all those uh, words in which you can ask for a leader and she provide it in a safe environment right. where everyone um, is considered a genius, right? Everyone is a genius. Um, and, and at the same time, how do we do that within our educational system that wasn't built for all of us? Okay. You know, let's, let's, let's be real with all that, right? It wasn't built for all of us, you know? And so, um, once we acknowledge that we have advocates that help push us through. Yeah. Kind of, we're all at the gate sometimes and we don't have that Denise sweat, that person just kind of pushing you through that gate. Sometimes you need that extra push. And Mm -hmm. that's what Gail and I have done um, with Denise's help um, that she provides. And uh, Dr. Curry in our first conversation in September, and, and we'll make sure that we, um, get that recording out to folks um, as well, because I think it just dovetails so nicely with so many of our themes today. She talked about um, 
the people in her life who would kind of put the boot on her back and push her forward. Right. And that that those that she needed those folks along the way to kind of identify, hey, it's time for it's time for this next new thing. And you you can do this. And and one of the things I really respect about Denise was yes, we're all geniuses, but but not in a way that but with that ability to provide critique, right? That was honest and true and trustworthy. And 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 so yes, we are all capable of these things. And but then there's this, well, that idea is, you know, that one, we're not gonna go with that one. But um, love, love your energy. All right. Yeah. Oh, this one over here. We're going to go with that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we were talking like how, you know, our, our authentic self, right? We're able to bring our own sense of cultural capital, community capital into that space and be our own authentic self. Because there's so many times where maybe even, uh, I don't know if Gail, you felt this, but coming into this space, right? Imposter syndrome, right? Why, why should we be talking about this, right? Why, why should we be having this conversation with Meg? Why not pick someone else? And so, you know, having that own sense of personal agency and standing here is like, well, we need to show up and we need to be here. We need to be that and one, that plus one in this room. And so there's a lot to say about just showing up. No, for sure. Like, um, being our authentic selves, right? Like that wondering of, do I deserve to be here? And um, I think that stems a lot from perfection and just like being around Denise allowed and lovingly saying like, ah, that idea isn't so great, right? It, it just let us know that it was okay not to be perfect, nor should we be perfect, right? Um, and so I, I love that we, that we brought that in. Mm-hmm. I also want to go back to a theme you said earlier that I think was really important. Um, this idea of, of critical reflection. Um, and I, I feel like this has never been more important in our profession. Um, yesterday, I got to have a conversation with Dan Maxwell, whose title is so long, I can't even remember it all. But essentially, he's like the interim vice chancellor for the University of Houston. So, I mean, we're talking a big, big institution. Um, and he was talking about the need in that we are at this really critical place in our profession. And gosh, I wish Denise was here to like hop on this one. Um, that so much has changed in the last 18 months, right? With how we are delivering services with our student needs. I mean, just, just so much. And that we really need to make sure our leadership and whoever, you know, in whatever role you are, that we're taking time to pause and to reflect because, you know, we have this opportunity to really, I think, have some incredible shifts, very, very positive shifts in the work that we're doing and the way that we're impacting students and the way that we're able to, um, you know, really address these very large, you know, discussions around equity and access and things like that. But if we're not pausing and doing the reflection, that work can't get done. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, I don't know if you're experiencing any of that, if you're seeing, yeah, yeah an ability to create that space. I mean, because I, I know that we're also full steam ahead, right? Like, well, there's students to serve and fewer people to do it with. So 
get your 500 visits in, you know, this month with your appointees. Right. And, and, and then upon our reflection, right, we, we, we constantly kind of think like, well, where's that stemming from, Meg, right? It's like, where are all these uh, heteronormative or these policies? Uh, who says that that's what we have to do? Who says that we have to wake up and start this webinar at nine o'clock, 12 o'clock East Coast? Like, why not 12.03, right? Why not 8.58? But there's a certain, uh, certain things that drive us that we, we just do, right? And so upon those critical reflections, we're moving 100 miles per hour and we don't have time to reflect. And we're like, why are we doing this? Because we've always done this. And that's comfortable for people. Sometimes, yeah, it is. And, and, you know, in the less formal spaces, especially with Denise, there was a lot of time, I, I couldn't name it before, but it was a lot of critical reflection. And mm. with her, it, it was a lot of identifying, questioning, and assessing like our deeply held assumptions, right, about our knowledge, because we, you know, <laughs> As someone um, who is, you know, we come from very privileged spaces, but we're second year doctoral students. Everybody does that. So like, what is it about our deeply held assumptions about our knowledge, the way like we perceive uh, events and issues, like how is that affecting the way that we work? And so a lot of, you know, what we did with Denise was thinking about like, especially when I think of that situation where she was like, I'm glad you got knocked on your teeth, like <laughs> your teeth got knocked out. Right. Um, you know, she made us think like, how did I act during the event? Um, um, what did we learn from the event that I didn't know before? Right. Like, and, and it's all really, really painful to go through. And again, I, I want to jump back to like, we had that safe space with her, right. Oh. Like, what was it about our assumptions that we held in that moment? What links can we make from like our experiences and our positionalities and like other and events and ideas? Um, how does that influence the way we are in our workplace? So mm-hmm. it was always with her, like, how can I use my knowledge that I gained to make things better? Because essentially that's what we want to do. And that's what Denise has always thought about. How can just how can we make this better? Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing, Gail. Um, I do want to be cognizant, um, Stan, I know that, you know, constructs of time being what they are, I do have to also be cognizant of the constructs of time. Um, and we just have a few more minutes before we um, wrap up. The 45 minutes always just flies, especially when we get um, to a chance to talk with two amazing people like you. You are so generous to share an incredible list of resources. And I just um, want to make sure if my slides will advance, now my slides won't seem to advance. Um, they are here in, here we go, um, here in our, our, our shared, and we'll make sure that our listening audience also has access um, to these resources as well. Um, because kind of our wrap-up question is sort of what tools are you using to guide your work? Huh, that's an easy one, right? Um, you know, so you were awesome enough to provide us with at least some of the tools, I'm guessing, um, that you're using to guide some of this work. And um, definitely some that I was like, oh, I'm 20 years out of graduate school and I need to brush up on on some things. So I'm excited to dive into um, a lot of this content. You've given me great stuff to think about, but anything you want to highlight in particular for our audience? Um, I, I think there was a few, um, just really think, uh, really quick. Um, 
you know, Gail and I, we talk about this a lot in terms of disability. And, you know, we, even if you don't start off with a disability, whether you're uh, formerly incarcerated or if you're a veteran, a lot of times the, or foster youth, you kind of go through the system and somehow you, when you come out of it, you have a disability. Uh, but also to the general public, it's like at any given time, we could also uh, have a disability where it's broken leg or anything like that. So it's very important, not only for ourselves to advocate, advocate, but advocate for others, but then as a community, right? The response okay. of a, our community to provide access is so important, not just for the individual with a disability, but for everyone. Um, and we all will enter that space sooner okay. or later, whether I'm wearing glasses right now or later if I need hearing aids and all that. So we just want to bring that into context as well. Thank you. Yeah. Gail, you put in our chat um, a, a definition that looks um, sort of an approach to understanding. I'm oh, sure. I was um, providing the quote that San was uh, kind of oh. referencing, just because we do hold our, in terms of like identities, we we are very familiar in naming like I am a, cisgender woman or I am a um my rate like naming the race but uh, hardly and because of the stigma around disability right we identify it as a category until we enter that space and so I just provided that quote and it's kind of fitting that we end with the resources because um you just said like I'm out of 20 you know out of school 20 years um we are lifelong learners (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, even with Denise, right, before everything, like, she was always, like, reading, and, like, she got into this, like, learning how to do, what did she do, Sam, with PowerPoints? Uh, oh, yes, making them accessible. She took that extensive class. Yeah, right, did. exactly. <laughs> so, like, constantly um, in reflection and, like, and in planning, um, being that lifelong learner and, like, mm-hmm. not just thinking that we we hold all all the info. So I, I, that's what another thing that I took from Denise's. I, I would love to stay a lifelong learner. I, I believe we are lifelong learners because oh, we absolutely. have this. <laughs> Pauline just let us know that she taught her everything she knew about PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> Even how to transfer uh, 10 gigs worth of PowerPoint pictures. <laughs> Pauline, yes, exactly. exactly. PowerPoints are amazing. Yeah. Oh, I, I love, I love this chance to be together. I just so appreciate your energy and your, just the grace that you've brought today. It's just amazing. Um, we've, we've got, um, provided everybody our resources today. Um, and folks have provided some memories into our Jamboard. Um, we'll make sure we make that, uh, available, um, to others, um, spark photos. I love that. Just those wonderful um, pieces of our our dear friend and colleague, Denise, that we're going to carry with us. She's always with us. Mm -hmm. Always with us. Thank you all for your time today and this opportunity to talk about leadership and remember um, our dear friend and colleague, Denise Sweat. Um, Gail and Sam, just from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. And that was one thing about Denise. She always brought people together. So love being in this space with you and laughing and reflecting. Maybe someday uh, we can do this in person. 
<laughs> or, I love or, that or that, is that a, not a norm anymore? But maybe we can have <laughs> both, right? Both. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I am willing to come to you there. So. Us too, because it's a chance to travel. <laughs> right. right. So not just to hop and a skip and a jump. Well, thank you all so much for your time today. I hope you'll join us um, in November where Dr. Jory Hatzel, who's another colleague of um, Denise's, is going to join us to talk with us about um, leadership. His perspective is um, as a, a leader in online learning. So um, I'm excited to get to learn um, from him as well. Thank you all. Please take care. Have a good weekend. Denise would want us to rest and renew. Friday Five Live is brought to you by Innovative Educators. Innovative Educators offers six online services for your onboarding support and training needs. Visit us at innovativeeducators.org to see how we can support your student success initiatives.